Good morning. Welcome to Spirit Mornings here at Spirit Catholic Radio on KVSS, Catholic Radio for the Christian Community. I'm Bruce McGregor here in the friendly confines of the KVSS studios here in Omaha, Nebraska, and in the even friendlier confines of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. We have Chris McGregor and with her this morning, Kimberly Hahn, the author of Life-Giving Love, Embracing God's Beautiful Design for Marriage, and co-author with her husband, Scott Hahn, of Rome Sweet Rome, Our Journey to Catholicism. Uh, Kimberly is the mother of six children, also a frequent conference speaker on topics relating to marriage and family life. And Good morning and welcome to both of you, especially you, Chris, and you, Kimberly. <laughs> good morning, Bruce. Are you holding up okay, dear? I'm doing just fine. Oh, good. I'm peachy. I was hoping you're peachy. I was hoping you were missing me just a little bit. I'm missing you a lot. Oh. <laughs> and so are the kids. Oh, that's good, but I know they're being well-fed. See, Kimberly, in our house, unfortunately, I am not the best of cooks. And Bruce, <laughs> he loves to do it, so I let him. It's my efforts to help him in his call to holiness. I let him do the thing he loves. It's a form of complementarity to realize the different gifts. That's, that's it. Right. I'm not sure what mine is, though, Bruce. Do you have any idea? Uh, we've been listening to it for the last week. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, you do a fabulous job, so... Kimberly, okay, you're, in, you're in good hands this morning. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I have to say, having the opportunity to, to speak to so many of the wonderful people that are associated with the St. Paul Center, this particular moment is very special for me. Mm-hmm. Because, Kimberly Hahn, I have to tell you that I have walked with you on a journey for so long. Mm-hmm. But you haven't known. You've been living your life, raising your kids, being the wife and mother, and responding to God's call in your writing to help the rest of us to respond to that call as well. So thank you so much. It's so good to have you here. (laughs) You're welcome. It's great to be with you. I have to tell you that your new book, Chosen and Cherished, The Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage, it's part of the Life Nurturing Love series that's being brought forward by the St. Paul Center, is one of those books that when I sat down, I thought, okay, here's a marriage book. I've read some marriage books, and I started reading it. And my jaw kind of hit my chest only because as I'm reading it, it's I found that it's so much more than a marriage book. Mm. What I see in this is how women can become godly women, how we can respond to that, that Christian vocation of what it is to be a female first and foremost. Yes. Yes. And I think that's what's so extraordinary. And I've raced out and I've picked it up. And you women out there who know who you are, I've uh, picked up copies to give to women who have just gone through divorce mm-hmm. and who are in the single life. Mm-hmm. Because I think what you've given us is a way to follow Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, you know, the idea of being chosen and cherished first and foremost is this is our relationship to Almighty God. Mm-hmm. That God truly has chosen every one of us and cherishes, present tense, every one of us. And he's the one who needs to give us our sense of value, our sense of worth. Um, mm-hmm. Then secondarily, within the vocation of marriage, um, we choose to get married and we really want to be cherished. Initially, uh, actually, the title was turned down because they said there are just too many people who don't feel cherished in marriage and this is just going to make people feel bad and they're not going to buy the book. And I said, mm-hmm. but the point is we long to be. And mm-hmm. so we need more tools. We need some more ideas, a fresh perspective um, that takes us out of whatever the challenges are and gives us the eternal view and then the nitty gritty today in little ways 
I can build the kingdom by loving my spouse and my children in these little particular ways, hidden ways. Sound like Therese. Yeah, very much like St. Therese. And I think that's what's the beauty of this is that it transcends even the marriage uh, vocation or single life or consecrated life. I think this is as valid a study for those who may be in community mm. and how to treat one another. But first and foremost, what is it that you do? What, mm-hmm. How do you orient yourself? What is your priorities? As a Christian woman. Yeah, it's interesting you'd say that because I shared one portion of this at the Defending the Faith Conference at Franciscan this summer. And uh, two different women in communities stopped me afterwards and said, I just want you to know that it was titled Chosen and Cherished Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage. But I'm taking back extensive notes to my community mm-hmm. because we have to know how to resolve conflict and, and how to lead with love, um, how to... Uh, be faithful to the vows we have taken. And so all that applies, as you said, across the board to any woman, Mm -hmm. whatever her situation. I think for women today especially, you talk about an important point about embracing, as John Paul said, the genius of women, Mm -hmm. what it is to have been created male and female. And as you just spoke of, the complementary type of aspect of our relationships. Yeah. Yeah, we are not, we're not trying to be a neuter person. We're not trying to be men. Mm -hmm. And if we try to do that, we're actually just simply going to negate who we are as women. Um, Pope John Paul II wrote a number of things about women, and they're all beautiful. But this idea that there's actually a genius of women, that we tend to connect with relationships first and foremost and and this is a gift no matter where where we are no matter what our vocation is whether we're in the world or just in our home um, we can bring that to bear in a very beautiful way I think if you ask women uh, tell me about yourself often they will first describe themselves in in relational roles they'll say I'm married I have so many children and then they might say and this is what I do for career, for work, or I work at home. I think men tend to answer it more thinking in terms of I'm an engineer or I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that's one of the differences between men and women. We we just tend to think in terms of relationships. And, and that's a beautiful thing and something that we can bring to men uh, as a way of balancing. And, and of, so, of course, receiving from them what's different from us. You know, mm-hmm. I think too often we get into a competitive mindset in our own, you know, let's say 2007 American culture. Um, I'm competing with men. Right. And instead, we need to see that complementarity. This, and, and especially when you take it into marriage, um, how do you develop healthy interdependence as opposed to doing everything you can to maintain your independence. We just had dear friends um, go through training for uh, marriage. They were in an engagement class out in Los Angeles. And one of the things the person said was, whatever you do, keep your own separate bank accounts. You don't want to merge your money because you have to protect your assets just in case something happens. It was just so sad. I mean, instead of saying, you know, 
what you're doing is you are merging lives. And so, of course, your bank account is just one of many ways in which you begin to think in terms of us and our as opposed to mine and yours. Yeah. Yeah, that is very, very sad. I think, as you point out, in that complementary role, realizing, I think this is valid whether in marriage or whether you're a woman who is in ministry in the church. You're mm-hmm. serving and even helping and responding to that that role of service in, in ministry. That realizing that men are a rational type and they think mm-hmm. in a different way. And we have as much value in that emotional wisdom that we bring that nurturing yes. that is intrinsically us and when they come together and you don't fight right beautiful things can respond from that it, it really can and i think respect mutual respect is one of those keys i think when we say women tend to um if if you were going to do a comparison between rational and emotional women tend to be more in touch with their emotions. Mm -hmm. Men may be more uh, leading with the thoughts. As long as you don't value the rational over the emotional, then you see, well, both are needed. And it's a complementarity, again, that we can bring to a spouse, we can bring to sons, we can bring to men uh, who we work with. And I think if they appreciate the sensitivity we have, which is not, you're not talking about emotionalism that's irrational, or rationalism devoid of emotion, but you're talking about finding a balance between the two, it just enriches any relationship. What I love so much about Chosen and Cherished, and when I got excited, because I, I did watch the DVDs that oh, come God. with it, so yeah, and they're yeah. funny. You are so funny. <laughs> so a little too honest sometimes. <laughs> yes, I know, but it's good. It's good to laugh, and it's good to, to see things. But as I, I began to realize, you have a gift of giving back to us this wisdom that you can find in scripture Mm -hmm. we're so used to having bible studies now where we take big sections like we're going to study the acts of the apostles so we're going to study the first letter to paul to the corinthians and that's that's wonderful but there are gleanings that we can get from going to the proverbs and and going to the prophets and then going and connecting that with the new testament that there's not a lot of studies out there that do that yeah it is something I have enjoyed so much in this series. And right now I'm preparing the next set of six that we're going to film in just two weeks. That's exciting. It is. It's a little scary. That's <laughs> very exciting. Um, and it's just amazing that we're separated by centuries and centuries from the culture that was established as Israel came out of Egypt. And yet there are connections with those women um, there are principles that applied in their marriages that apply to today. There is instruction for children, not just little children, but even adult children, that is something we can benefit from. And because Scripture isn't a dead book, it's the only book inspired by, by the Holy Spirit, and the church says it is living and active, um, it is something that is completely relevant to this day and age, although all kinds of customs have changed. Mm -hmm. And it's powerful to read these words um, and to know that there's a way it can apply, um, even if, you know, I'm not living, say, on a farm, but there are principles about gardening that Mm -hmm. I can take and apply in my backyard and then use that for instruction to my children, just as the Proverbs 31 woman considered a field 
bought it and planted a vineyard with the fruit of her hands, which I would mm-hmm. take it, at least one application would be with her children. Right. And I think that's the beauty of this particular study in Chosen and Cherished, and I can't wait for the next one because I've, <laughs> I, I have, I, you, you have this ability to help us. You've heard the term renumerate on the word or chew, as Sister Ann Shields is always fond of telling our audience, you know, you need to chew on the word. But sometimes we chew on a very, very big chunk. Yeah. And it, sometimes we, I'm, this is probably a poor analogy, but it's like having a mouthful and you know, you don't appreciate it. What you've done and you've helped me to slow down mm-hmm. to look at Proverbs 31. But you, I mean, even in Chosen and Cheris, it's just verses 10 through 12. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, no, but it's like you take time and you, just sit and pray and think about each point of this. I mean, I imagine Teresa of Avila doing something like that. I mean, there's enough there where you just take each word and break open that wisdom. And I think Catholic women in particular are wanting to do that, but there haven't been resources out there to help them to, to do that. Yeah. I, I do think it's one of the, one of the ways in which through the St. Paul Center, we've been able to, to open up some, some new approaches to, to scripture study, and it's just a great privilege for me to get to share this. It really is. And I, I need every one of these lessons, and many of them are just going over things we already know, but we just forget, and we just need that extra reminder. Um, in, the, in the study having to do with time management, I mean, one of the phrases that I'll share and, and that I use probably every single day is, there is all the time I need today to do God's will today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that overwhelms homemakers is this feeling of, I cannot get it all done. I told Scott, it's like, it's almost like a study in failure every day. Now, if I choose to focus on what I'm not getting done, it mm-hmm. is. I could have dinner on the table and it's beautiful and it's delicious and I can have the laundry done, but I haven't spent time with my children. I spent time with my children and the laundry has piled up, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I've come to the conviction that it isn't God's will for me to perfectly complete every single possible homemaking task. But it is possible for me to do God's will. Sure. Because he's he's the one giving me the gift of these 24 hours, which unfortunately has to include sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's such a waste of time <laughs> when you know. think about it, just laying around. <laughs> it's just hard to imagine. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the thoughts that hit me on this time management is how did Jesus go to bed at night? Mm-hmm. How did he lie down knowing everybody wasn't healed yet? Every demon wasn't expelled. Every word of God had not yet been expounded. And it's because he rested in God's will that I am now in my humanity dealing with the limitation of time. Mm. And like I just said, Jesus himself could have said, I can do everything God intends me to do today. Now, the challenge is my will doesn't always match God's will. Mm -hmm. And it's why we need to pray. It's why we need to really think as we go throughout the day and our plans shift. Okay, it's not going according to my plan, but it's always still going according to plan. It's Mm. God's plan. And it's that little yielding. There is a, a new quote that I picked up from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who's a patron saint of mine. And it said, um, now I won't be able to quote it exactly. I'll get it close. It's, oh, the sweetness of the providence that overrules my will. Mm-hmm. And if I can somehow or other get the idea, of course, it's sweet when God and I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But it's even sweet. If I can understand that his will is the will of my loving Heavenly Father, 
not just this tyrannical God who's just moving the chess pieces and I happen to be the pawn at the moment. My loving Heavenly Father who has a bigger picture than I will ever conceive of in this life. And and he's saying, oh, Kimberly, that wasn't a bad plan, but it's not the best plan for this day. And so this is going to happen in this. If I can have that yielded heart, then it's like, okay, Lord, yeah, okay. This, it's it's not my will. And so I can even discern it is more likely your will because it's not my will and I want to yield to it. Mm. Unfortunately, we have to yield for a break. <laughs> Time management. Speaking of yielding. Time management. First, listen to him in the past going, good girls, you did it. Okay. All right. But we'll be right back. Welcome back to Spirit Mornings here at Spirit Catholic Radio, KVSS. Bruce McGregor here in Omaha and at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology this morning in Steubenville, Ohio. Chris McGregor with our very special guest this morning, Kimberly Hahn. And ladies, welcome back. Thank you. Very special guest because this is a woman who, I, according to time management, you've got your day pretty much planned. You have your beautiful <laughs> children, plus you're accomplishing great things through your work and that shared ministry with your husband. Mm. Bruce and I, Kimberly, have found that people are asking us all the time, how can you work together? It must be awful. But when you're doing things for the Lord, I can't imagine doing it any other way. I know. It is so special. Part of what was such an agony for me, besides all the challenges of the truth claims of mm-hmm. the church, the emotional part of this was that all my life I had either wanted to be a pastor or married to a pastor or both. Mm-hmm. And without going into any of the details about women's ordination and all, which I actually came to a deep conviction in Scripture against women's ordination, totally apart from the Catholic Church, I treasured being a pastor's wife, working alongside him. And when he became Catholic, there was no place for me in any ministry. Mm-hmm. And when I considered maybe even becoming Catholic, one woman said to me, just a dynamic evangelical leader, she said, if you remain Protestant, I can open up so many doors for you. But she said, there is nothing on women's ministry in the Catholic Church. And if you become a Catholic, your gifts will die. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at her and I said, at that point, I have to study these things because whether or not God ever uses me another day in ministry isn't even relevant. Mm-hmm. It, I have to believe what's true. And if it's true, nothing is wasted with God. Mm-hmm. And what I would say, even though Scott is not a priest and we, we aren't in, quote unquote, an official ministry capacity, God has given us opportunities to serve I never have dreamt of. Mm-hmm. And the main thing you have to do, even in those circumstances of something good, is lay it at his feet and say, it's all for you, Jesus. And yeah. so even if it means not sharing, not doing ministry, then that's what I will do for the sake of the kingdom. And and I'm just so grateful to God. He is opening up many things. And I think more and more ministry with women and for women is coming. Yes, it really is. It's coming in the church. It's so needed especially in areas of marriage helping women to identify the roles because i am familiar with programs similar to the one you spoke of of the young couple that went through a marriage prep in california where is this coming from because it's so not rooted in the church it's so rooted in the world 
It is. It is. You know, and they happen to mention there had in six classes the word sacrament was never used. Mm. There was no teaching on contraception at all. There was not even a mention of children. Jesus' name was only mentioned once at the end of the succession. I mean, how can these people even claim that they were properly prepared for Christian marriage? Mm-hmm. It's like people have laid the groundwork for future annulments. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a travesty. And one of the things that I wanted to do in Chosen and Cherished was, besides videotaping it in the context of a women's study, we wrote questions in the back of the book, making the video series usable for couples engaged who are preparing for, for marriage and also for married couples. Um, because even though I was speaking to women, we were talking about the principles, principles right. of financial management, principles of conflict resolution, how to fight fair, um, and how to work out the rules that you really want to embrace as a couple, um, how to grow in faithfulness, and what does the vow mean? I mean, I, I watched my son and his um, bride get married in Omaha, and I watched them say the vows, and I really believe they understand to as much of an extent as they can the vow, but I, it almost seems surreal. Like they were saying, I take you in joy and in sorrow, in sickness or in sickness and in health, you know, mm-hmm. and all the positives were so obvious because they're young, they're healthy, you know, and yet there's a reality to that vow. And I think the longer you're married, especially the sickness and health part, that's really going to come into play. And we've said yes to it all. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we will grow in the ability to be grace to each other in Mm -hmm. all those challenges. You've helped me to identify my true vocation. And his name is Bruce McGregor. There you go. (laughs) He has a name. He does. He does. And guess what your vocation is, Bruce? To be married to you. (laughs) No, but your vocation. Now, see, this is why you need to read the book, too. Because your vocation is, and she has a name, and it's Chris McGregor. Well, in a way, I said you? that. <laughs> okay. In a guy way. In a guy way. A lot of people ask the, themselves the questions, you know, do I have a vocation to marriage? Mm-hmm. And and they keep it very general. And, of course, you can have that inclination. I or, or you can have people feeling inclined toward religious life. But that actual call is confirmed through an individual. As we talk about marriage preparation, I, I mean, we have to go there because that this is when you look at the statistics just nationally, what's happening to marriage and within the church, right. you know, in a lot of our formation programs, contraception is one of those issues that everybody seems to dance around. Dr. Thomas Hildreth of the Pope Paul VI Institute has a, a series on with us on KVSS, mm-hmm. and he talks about the gift of women's fertility. And you speak of that as well, that this is this is really a, a gift that God has given us, and we treat it like an ailment, yes. like it's a disease, that this wonderful blessing that's been bestowed upon women is something that has to be, it. you resent it, you, you fight against it. How tragic for our world. Oh, right. I mean, women in sports try mm-hmm. as hard as they can to get their weight down so the period stops so they don't have to deal with that mm-hmm. in the midst of competitive mm-hmm. uh you know, sport. Um, there's new pills out now that that limit how many days long a period is. There mm-hmm. are. Um, it's it's such a fundamental rejection of women, and I I don't know why women don't see it. Right. They, they just you know the the abort the abortion uh, rate 
even among Christians, is is just tragic, and it is such a a rejection of both the man and the woman by each other. I mean, here is the fruit of their love, and they are destroying it and not thinking they're going to destroy a part of themselves with it. Um, contraception is is so far down the road from abortion that many people feel like, well, of course, abortion's wrong, but I can't even go there in terms of contraception. And that's why we need to talk about the lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just give him our minds. We give him every part. And the fact is, he's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. He can be trusted with our fertility. Um, yep. And and it does humble you. It does cause you to pray. It, it draws you to your knees because you know in your own strength it could be very difficult to be open to life. And then because being on our knees is exactly where we should be, you know, it, it puts us back into that uh, receptive mentality of I am loved by my Heavenly Father. He has given this boundary for my good, for the good of my marriage, for the good mm-hmm. of my children I already have. Um, and... The catechism speaks so beautifully and powerfully about this that it has in part to do with how we image the Trinity. The Trinity didn't create us because uh, God was bored, because God thought he'd do an experiment. You know, God is a communion of life-giving love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit pouring themselves out one to the other. And they created us, man and woman, in his image. And the first blessing is a command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And and so that opportunity for two to become one, and I love how Scott says it, and the two become one, that one is so real, you might have to give it a name. Oh. It constitutes a whole nother person. Yep. You know? And it's it is all gift. It's all mm-hmm. gift if you're open to receiving it. But so many people aren't even aware of what God has for them. I, I love that in in the series you take us through a conversation that you have with God in prayer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to spoil it because I want people to run out and get the set, get the book, and then get the DVD, and then have everybody, your all your friends, and pass it on because it's so much fun, but it's joy-filled. But the fact that we need to turn everything over to Christ, first and foremost, is for you, Jesus. Give him everything. And you take us down to the point where that means everything. (laughs) You mean everything? Everything. (laughs) But then once you do that, he'll give that back to you. Yes. It's a a paradigm of thought, isn't it? It really is. And so you realize everything you not only have but you are is a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of stewardship. Um, you know, our time is not our own. Our talents are not our own just to be spent on us. Our money, we know our money isn't, but mm-hmm. what about our fertility? Exactly. You know, at each level, God has given us some gifts, and then as we use those for him, then he increases the opportunities for stewardship, but it's always in service. It's always in service to the whole kingdom, but also to our own particular family, and then even more to our particular spouse, because that's really the core relationship of the family. When we talk about everything, and we are giving it all over to Christ, what is it that we're giving him? And that means our person, and that would reflect our gift to him. So how do you treat yourself? 
Mm-hmm. And I know I'm coming around the backside of this particular topic because you address it right in the very beginning. But it's how do we conduct ourselves as godly women? What do people see in that comparison? You know, how do we dress? How do we act? What's our demeanor? We really need to ask ourselves that because not only do we give that to, first and foremost to Christ, but then that's a reflection on our husband and our family. Right. Right. It really is. So it, it's one of those things that when we read scripture again and we pull out of it, we can find out what the tools are for not only to be a godly woman, but to have a marriage where God is at the center. Mm-hmm. And it demands that our husbands be godly men, too. It does. It does. And for many people, this is going to be one of the catches because there's been a sense for a long time that you didn't need to marry a Catholic. You didn't even have to marry a Christian because you could raise the kids Catholic. And I think people didn't realize how much they were robbing themselves and their children um, from having a united Catholic family. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to be able to manage your schedule and get to confession or, or to gather your children to pray a rosary. And you need a spouse who's not not only not fighting you on it, but saying, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Um you need a spouse who points you on when you hit your moments of discouragement. You know, when you have a child who's sick and, and you're just feeling like, I, I feel so helpless. And you have that person come alongside you and say, can I pray over you? You know, mm-hmm. I share this um, to to have that joint perspective. Um, and I the, the picture that I get so often when Scott and I are sharing where we're growing spiritually, and I do tend to do more of the, the personal application, and he does a lot more of the intellectual development, although it's always a mix. But I have this feeling like Heidi and Peter um, in in uh, racing up one of the Alps. You know, mm-hmm. that one of us runs ahead in one way and says, oh, you've got to catch the view here. It's beautiful. And then the other catches up, and then the other goes on and says, oh, oh, come take a look at this. And I feel like that has been our spiritual life in marriage together. And I just long for that for other couples, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that God does. I think God really wants it. And it doesn't mean you will do things the exact same way or that things will hit you the same way. Um, it's not about trying to become the other person in finding that unity but how do the two become really deeply one when you don't share some of the most fundamental truths in common that's right and there are people there are women now who are listening to what what is being shared here and they're thinking i i wish i could have that with my husband but i don't even know how to i i don't know how to get him there i don't know what to do and as you point out what what you do is by how you live your life. Yes. Apologetic proof texting back and forth and trying to to win arguments will never get them there. That's tough. That's really tough. And you know, St. Peter says that there are husbands who have been won without a word. And it's it's in the living of the faith. It's a very slow way of evangelizing because we continue to blow it. Mm-hmm. But then we can go to confession and come back you know, with a renewed desire to be faithful, to be tender, to be loving. Um, We know from 1 Corinthians 7 that St. Paul says, unlike the Old Testament, where if something clean touched something unclean, it became unclean. In the New Covenant, 
the unbelieving spouse in some way is sanctified by the believing spouse. Now, not necessarily to salvation, but set apart in a special way. By you going to confession, you are releasing sacramental grace into that relationship. By you going and receiving the Eucharist in a state of grace, you are releasing grace into that relationship. And and it's really up to God to do the converting. It, it is not going to be up to you to try to come up, as you said, with the argument that just makes it all fall into place. But the, just the fact that you have faith is a step in the right direction for that man. Um, you are God's gift to him. Uh, and he'll use you in a very special way. And maybe it will be through your children or through your grandchildren that there will finally be that something where God beckons him to himself. And I would hope for that. I would pray for that. I would sacrifice for that. Um, and then be as faithful a wife as you can be. You know, don't, don't say, well, I know I didn't get the laundry done, but I did a holy hour today, especially if you have an unbelieving spouse, you know, Make sure you get your laundry done. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in the second book. Mm -hmm. Our housework, our faithfulness to the duties of life is part of our testimony. It's mm -hmm. part of our witness. It's so important, too, for those those women out there that have been in marriages and they've been shattered by divorce. Mm -hmm. In so many cases, for for many women who are have a deep faith life or are or tr struggling, at the very least, to walk with Christ, end with the church something tore that marriage apart and not of their making and i speak of a, a dear friend that i have that i love so much and her prayer now is that she believes that she's called to walk with someone and she's praying very hard that god will bring this person into her life if that's his will but as i read chosen and cherished and i gave her a copy of the book that passage when you talk about how God didn't create Eve and say, okay, now go out and hunt for Adam. <laughs> hunt for Adam. That's right. <laughs> right. That you have to kind of prepare yourself first in what it is to be a godly woman and then God's will. Yes. I love that analogy. That was a dear friend who told me that. And, and the idea is that God created Adam and then put him into a deep sleep. And when he wakened, he presented Eve to him and uh and and the great thing is he, adam also didn't have to hunt for eve and i've told my sons that you know yes be open notice observe the women around you but you do not need to pursue as if this depends on you because if god has called you to the vocation of marriage he's also called her and and not again generally but to you and and he will if you're open he'll present her to you and I love that idea it's hard it's hard that's one of the tough things about being a woman is that that we're not the initiators and mm -hmm. and to the extent that women pursue things and and really take on leadership they should not take on to the, that extent we're we're not happy with the consequences and I think also with the selection of Proverbs 31 where you have a, a queen mother helping her son to here are the qualities of the woman that you're looking for. In this study, you've given mothers the tools to be able to instruct their sons on what to search for and yes. also, well, not to search, as God presents yeah. them. I don't recognize them, I'll get that right. 
but also for how to raise up the daughters yes. to the role of that. And so it, it hits so many different levels because it yeah. it helps us in how to be good mothers. Yes, and I have found that over the years to just be increasingly more important to me personally, mm-hmm. you know, because, of course, I've got children who are now in their 20s. I've got three in their 20s, three that aren't. Say it isn't so, Kimberly. <laughs> Oh, that means I must have them, too, in the 20s. Okay, that's all right. It is all right. It's all right. Um, One of the things that I love about how this Bible study can work well is as a women's study, um, because I want to help open up the conversation between grandmothers and granddaughters, between aunts and nieces and mothers and daughters and sisters, uh, sisters that are young, but also sisters that are older that also have established families. There is something that's really referred to as lived wisdom. And it can be hard for a woman to just be asked, okay, well, tell me what, what wisdom you have for me as a young mother, you know? Mm-hmm. But if we can hear something together and then have some questions for, for small group discussion, I know that we will really share our hearts. Right. And I want older women to be able to be freed up to share from their lived wisdom, to be able to look at a young wife and say, um, okay, it was a tough conflict and I'm sorry for the pain you feel. But in the long run, you know, he, think about his great qualities. And right. uh, as one older woman said, you know, I, when he acts up, I try to think of it like a snapshot where he yawned and, and you'd say, it just doesn't do him justice. Yeah. It's not the essence of who he is. You mm-hmm. know, you don't go to the place where, Oh, who have I married? It's okay, Lord, that was that was not a pretty moment. What can I fill my heart with that is true about him and fill fill my heart with gratitude for the gift he is and then build on that. That's not a Pollyanna approach. That is a beautiful nitty gritty approach to that dance between husband and wife. And I think, you know, this whole idea of starter marriages and how many people are giving up, they're trying on marriage like they're trying on clothes. Um, As Father Ray Ryland says, if you are looking at the relationship with one eye on a possible door, you will not do the work of marriage in the same way as if you're looking at each other and saying, we're in this for the long haul. How do we grow in kindness and in loving loving each other the way each other will interpret love and how can we grow in service to each other um, it's for decades it's for life and it's really for the afterlife in the sense that we are the primary path of sanctity for each other mm-hmm. and we can make that road less difficult if we have the right perspective and again that's the wisdom of scripture because as you point out there are those those gems of knowledge and wisdom that's passed on but also that light to ha- help you navigate through the darkness of temptation yeah and I read that section on temptation, as a matter of fact. that amazing? Oh, I I mean, as you pointed out in the study, that this is written 2,000 years ago, but yet I'm reading this, and you have put in there what a harlot is. But this is from Scripture. This is how a harlot acts. And I'm thinking of this, and and this is what our culture, every day, I could turn on the television. She's in the commercial. She's over here. She's over there. Our daughters are being told, even in that doll called Bratz, this is the example that scripture warns us about and yet in our culture now and we don't recognize it because we haven't 
thin with the word right in that in that right. way we're surrounded by it in our culture and then we haven't examined it closely and and we don't realize that adultery occurs at the end of a number of small steps and so not living in the constant fear of that occurring mm-hmm. but with an awareness that any of us can be tempted and and we don't want to be um imprudent in thinking we could never ever fall or our spouse could never fall what can we do and there are so many positive things Mm -hmm. that we can do to strengthen our marriage and shore up our marriage and um and then for those who have begun to take a few of those steps you know inappropriate affection that isn't rebuffed or an inappropriate compliment that you know is more flirtation than an actual compliment. Mm-hmm. You need to look at and say, you know what, and just say to that coworker, that is, please do not ever speak to me that way. That mm-hmm. is, that is inappropriate. That offends me. Um, and call it what it is, you know, gifts that you know you have lingering thoughts about a person. One woman said, you know, or excuse me, it wasn't a woman, it was a man. He said, I just, I love this tie, but I know that it was given to me by a coworker that, I can tell has feelings for me. And mm-hmm. I said, cut the tie and throw it out. Yep. You know, don't, don't let that linger in your house that when you see that tie, you think of that other woman. Yep. The only woman to set your affections on is your spouse. And we really play an important role that I think is clear from that Proverbs 7 passage because um, it's not that men are stupid, but there is something about a man that can easily be drawn in. Mm-hmm. And so we have to really pray for our spouse and encourage our spouse um, because he may not he may not even really pick up on those missteps. That may, again, be an application of the genius of women where we have those senses of this maybe is not a proper relationship. Well, I hope you've gotten the sense that I love Chosen and Cherished. <laughs> oh, thank you so and much. I cannot wait to the next one. Do you have the name for the next one yet? Not yet. Oh, good. Well, it'll probably be a great Han name because you always come up with great names. I wish we could spend more time, but in a way we can because having this available, especially this study along with other studies that you're working on, I know you just completed Genesis to Jesus with Michael Barber, who is, what a dynamic man he is. And he has married a wonderful woman named Kimberly this summer, and uh, she is every bit as dynamic as him. It's They're just going to be an amazing duo. I think for Catholics... You may not be a pastor's wife, but I think you are a, a disciple of Christ, oh. you know, a, a wife and, a, and a, a person all in your own right, but united. And the blessings and the fruits that are coming from your openness and your example for all of us is just it's tremendous. Well, praise God for all of that. Thanks. Amen. Amen. And I, I hope everyone will keep us in your prayers because we're every bit as human as everyone else. And we need to hear these messages every day as as much as anybody else, and uh, God willing, we will. <laughs> well, Bruce, I hope you are you taking copious notes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, just know that I love you, and yes. I'm the one that needs. I'm the one that needs the the word more than you do because you are. I think you are a, an example of a godly man. You really are. Well, thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I'm a work in progress, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kimberly, we all are. Uh, yeah, Kimberly, thanks so much for being with us. Studio audience, what is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Bruce. <laughs> yes, absolutely. They're an appreciative lot here. 
like it. That's right. They're all racing, but now be careful because they're all going to race out the door to get the book. Yeah. And you're just going to, it's okay. Go to salvationhistory.com too because there's a lot more information on conferences that you'll be speaking at yes. and giving very soon. And they're not to be missed. If I could buy locate, it would be so much easier. I don't know. But, you know, God's will. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, Kimberly, thank you so much for sharing uh, your time with uh, us and our listeners today. We deeply appreciate it. Mm, thank you for the opportunity, Bruce. Yeah. And thanks for sharing Chris with us. Oh, no problem. I like to share my vocation. <laughs> 